Oh, we are. Got that live button at showtime. How about a little intro before we get going here? This is your United States of All right, hashtag Hamid Army. It is Thursday afternoon. And how about this one for you? A little bit of a, a throwback Thursday. Back at it again. The reunion. Hashtag HTM. Damn boys. Yes. The, the, the hitting the marks crew is back on the Hameen Media Group. It is me at order the B to the V. Richard Bronson Vickery. Hey. I, I wait for this for a long time. It's been a while. Yes, he is here. The good doctor. This is Jay. Michael Jargo. Welcome back to your show. Thank you, Huckleberry. The the huckle has been buried. The fuse has been lit. I tried that in a small town, and they didn't do shit. What's up, Hameen Media Group? It's great to see y'all. Hey, you know, it is funny. You know, just a week ago, Jargo, uh, you were getting ready. You you were packing up the car. You were heading down here to Cincinnati. Uh, we were hitting up Thursday night burger night. Of course, uh, you're so uh, very very gracious uh, and very supportive coming down to uh, to kind of you know show some support. Uh, be it, it, if I needed anything last week, as we uh, uh, funeral services for my stepmother, who you know after two years in the Cleveland Clinic uh, passed away. Uh, but I wish it was under better circumstances, but it was always always good uh, to get to see and hang out. We we have figured this out. You know, we we have been friends for what six seven years. Uh, we, we've been doing yeah. this podcast thing. God, it's been that long, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, what, what do we we celebrated Crazy. our first our one year podcasting together at the first before there was an all elite wrestling but at the very first all in it was a good time man that was a good time is that i i still think that's probably the coolest wrestling show i've ever been to not necessarily the best wrestling show i've ever been to but probably the coolest just because of the novelty of it because of starcast that entire weekend and then the show was awesome so i mean how, how do you complain, right? It's just really cool that we were there, and now here we are, what, five years later, and AEW is here, and AEW seems to be going strong, getting a whole bunch of money from the Warner Brothers Discovery people. I mean, and to think we were there for that very, very genesis that was AEW. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah, you, know, you, you can talk about the, the unique environment there, and that's really what set it off. You know, you had the, the StarCast convention, which, you know, we got to go be a part of. We were there on Pod Row. We got some great interviews out of that, you know, free, you know, going into the show. We got to speak with Eric Bischoff at the show. We had a great time talking on air with Diamond Dallas Page and everyone else, you know, just mingling around the, the convention center, taking in all the different meet and greets right there. You know, uh, the people that stopped by. Chase Owen's spending most of the time at our booth playing uh, the video game. That playing we Fire Pro Wrestling, you bet. Playing Fire Pro, absolutely. But it's such, and you know, it, you know, outside of that, it was really, it was the first time that we had actually met 
Uh, we had oh, other trade, uh, Rivera, Will, you know, so many people came together. Boney. Yeah, they came together from the Hameen Army. Yeah, we, we do got it. No, Ben. Uh, ben is buried. Uh, he, he threw one out. He threw a swerve at me yesterday. Uh, I guess no pun intended because we are going to talk about swerve Strickland on this show. But he, he said, and he's, he's got a lot going on. They are booming what horseshoe genetics. Things are taking off. And, you know, he said to me, he's like, man, I'm just under a lot of pressure with this stuff. I said, man, that's like a Chinese riddle. Uh, reminded, like, how can I be passed out and high on crack run? Like, how can you have pressure in the weed business? You know, isn't that supposed to relax you? Well, I mean, it, it depends on the strain, but like, yeah, I don't want to go all herbologist on you, but you know, if you're, it depends on if you're doing a sativa, if you're doing an indica, if Miss Millie's trying to eat it, like, there's all kinds of different stuff that could happen. Yeah, I guess so, man. But you know, they are doing big things, and, and anybody out there, everybody, you know, weekly that that tunes into any of the pods that Ben is on and that dude is a straight hustler. Uh, there is, there is no stop. There is no uh, rest for the wicked. If you will, when it comes to how he is out there getting it done, uh, he is determined and destined for greatness and, and he is going to grab that. So given Ben the day off here, uh, which presented the opportunity, well, you know, an opportunity for, to reach out to you, Jargo, as I'm going through, like, oh, my God, who am I going to get here? Should I call the usual suspects? Hoping you had an opening. You're here. The reunion is on a little throwback Thursday, hitting the marks uh, back together again. Jargo, we were talking about that first all in. I think this is, this is pretty cool. We are a month away. It's going to be August 27th from that next all in the big Wembley show for AEW. Which is such a weird show, right? Because they've sold, like, do you have the number? It's it's something like, you know, 65,000 tickets, something like that, for the show that they've amounted, like, basically no matches for. The show, like, basically sold out. And by sold out, I mean they sold the number of tickets that were available. They're not going to pack Wembley Stadium. But you and I both know how this business works. It doesn't matter if you're doing it in a venue that'll hold 150,000 people. If your cap is 5,000 people and you sell those 5,000 tickets, they call it a sellout, even though you have all those empty seats. Um, how do you feel about this? Because I mean, we, we just had Forbidden Door. We're just coming off of Blood and Guts. We're only a couple of weeks away from All Out when we come out of All In. Like, I almost feel like this is going to be detrimental to the AEW product because there's just no build. Is this just going to be another series of, like, ridiculous, quote, unquote, dream matches that we've already seen? You know, I know we're going to jump into this week's show. I was really surprised that we didn't get more focus and get some big announcement, something to, you know, if you do, if you are going to open up more seats or maybe to get people more intrigued behind this thing. One of the biggest problems with AEW, and I, and I do, I you know, an amazing job what they have done uh, already with the Wembley show. But is it, like you said, though, that is that is that a testament to their product, to the entering excitement, or is it just the spectacle of, you know, the fans across the drink there? They are so hungry, so thirsty for a major event like this. It could have been anything, and, and they were going to eat those tickets up. Now, so now I'm look, seeing 74,000 is what they've sold, which is a lot more than I thought good. they'd sell. That's damn impressive. Damn impressive. I, I would try to do everything I could to get as many answers in those seats. Open up. If you, if you got a paper, you know, give it out because this, this is, you want those visuals. This is a selling point for you. 
the, the dollars right now, to me, that's going to be secondary. This is put your best foot forward. Show the world that you are big time, that you are ready to get at a level, compete with WWE. But on the flip side of that, you know, we're, we're looking at the great job they did at Wembley. But domestically, North America, they ain't moving shit. So you know what we do? Let's add another AEW show that we can actually, you know, poach our own audience a little bit more. And we'll just end up going back to Chicago every six weeks instead of every nine weeks. And I think that's the big problem is they on their schedule. I mean, they're trying to run, you know, in, in the WWE world, the premium live events, you know, their pay-per-view schedule. I mean, we're getting and they give away so much. They just try to give away so much weekly on television. That it's hard. I mean, they're spreading themselves too thin is, is the major case here. And now it's, it's got, the same thing that WWE did when they added SmackDown. It's the same thing WWE did when they added SmackDown. It's the same thing that WCW did when they added Thunder. All they're doing is oversaturating their product. How many hours of wrestling are there in North America now? Oh, my God. I mean, Up to about what, 15, 20 a week? Almost every day of the week, you know, all depending how far you want to go down into the bubble with the different promotions. But, yeah, I mean, it, it makes it almost impossible to keep up with everything. And we regularly hear, oh, it's such an amazing time to be a pro wrestling fan or, or to be in the business. Well, is it? You know, I see here locally in Cincinnati on an indie level, uh, we have eight promotions running here. You know, it, it, you're spreading out that fan base. You're making them choose. So what you what you ultimately ended up doing here, instead of having like a few top promotions that are highlighting the truly, you know, elite talents there, no pun intended here again. Um, you know, there's a lot of talents out there, but there's not many stars. And that's what's drawing people in. So even here on a, on a level like that, instead of having, you know, back in the day where we had two, maybe three promotions and they were all, you know, getting three, four, five hundred people on an indie show. Now, don't be you don't don't be surprised if there's under a hundred people if you're wrestling in front of 25, 30, 40 people because you're spreading and, them so thin. And now it's just that's just magnified on a level of an AEW. I, I do think that a lot of it too is like if I think about it like the NBA, right? There's a bunch of really, really good role players, but there's a very, very limited amount of stars. And with the amount of basketball that goes on over the week, the amount of wrestling that goes on over the week, people want to see the stars. How many stars are there in professional wrestling here in the United States these days? Maybe a half a dozen between all these rosters, maybe a half a dozen people that I would actually consider to be a real superstar. Well, it's, it, you know, here in Zane, you know, making a point, SmackDown was necessary. And I guess I can understand it in a, in a certain context because at that point, really all you had was your major promotions had one night of programming or you had, you know, had the secondary shows uh, like the Sunday nights, but they, those were obviously from the get go, your B and C squadrons, you know, your talents, they were more similar to the old days of wrestling challenge and wrestling superstars that we saw back in the, in the eighties and nineties. But, you know, when we saw the real expansion and WWE was just as guilty as this, you know, they were like, Oh, we, you know, when, when we acquired, you know, all the properties of WCW and the properties of ECW. And now we've got all these talents signed. We need more, you know, we, we need a, a broader spotlight to showcase them. In reality, though, just, yes, they had more talents to deal with. But just like you said, Jargo, how many of those were actual superstars? 
and they didn't go get the superstars. And that's why when we saw the invasion, it was a, another low point in the business. And a lot of people just were turned away from it. Well, yeah, and they didn't have the WCW superstars. And, and this is no disrespect to Booker T, but Booker T was like the biggest name that first came in, right? Like you didn't have the NWO, you didn't have Hogan, you didn't have Goldberg. I mean, all their like major stars just weren't available. They were sitting at home collecting their fat money from those Turner contracts. And who, who's to blame the talents, right? I mean, I would have done the same thing if I was one of the talents. Oh, yeah. But that's why the invasion fell flat. They just they did it too early because they didn't have the superstars. If they would have waited to do the WCW invasion until either A, if Vince would have bought out those contracts, or B, waited until those contracts had expired and you could have actually done WCW versus WWE, that would have been really, really cool. Instead, we got, you know, WCW Saturday night versus Monday night Raw. And of course it fell flat. This is, you know, Frank Spicklebrow way with a good point here as well. When we talk about, you know, the gates and, you know, he is, he's saying for live events, he takes his family to watch the, where Ben's at. Uh, I think, he, I think Frank usually goes to Immortal. And I think it, a bigger point he's saying here on the back end, why, why go pay to go to an event when you can sit at the comfort of your home? I mean, cause you're talking, you know, unless you catch them really dropping those tickets, but even on the back end of it, a family of four, just to get through the door, you find some cheap tickets, you're looking at $100. Then you got to get to wherever the arena is. You got to pay for the parking. They got to hit you up for concessions when you get in there. So now you've turned sitting on your couch, the you know, with the comforts of your home into a $200, $250 evening. Well, it's like we uh, here in Indianapolis, tickets for the NBA All-Star Game went on sale yesterday. You could get tickets for $25. That puts you in the 600 section of the the skills competition and whatnot right but when you really like look at where those seats are that's the 600 what, what section the of where Which... the colts play it's at lucas oil stadium from the 600 section i'm closer sitting on my couch than you're gonna be especially with basketball like, who cares I mean, how much tickets you... are right oh shit. I, especially for basketball too you know i mean I mean, that yeah, basketball so court on a football field and you're in the 600 section you ain't gonna see shit well they do they do the uh final four they've done final fours there right yeah yeah they have at lucas oil you bet yeah. they didn't see anything it. from the 600 section then either all you can say is you were in the building that's like that's literally all it is you can say that you were in the building well it, you know it's Speaking of going regularly, I've been to a handful of AEW shows. I've been obviously out. Uh, yeah, let's let's bring him in here. We'll get, we're going to do a little running. I'll, I'll shoot him over uh, the the invite here, George. But um, what the hell was I saying? Oh, but going to you know going to these today's uh, big time shows, AEW, WWE, they've really lost their their fan experience. There's nothing unique about it. I remember going back in the 90s and at Raw, they would have a legend. You know, maybe nothing spectacular, but someone you recognize out there uh, in the corridor interacting with fans. You know, the, the merchandise tables, right? the AEW merchandise, if you've been in an AEW show, it is absolutely abysmal uh, and embarrassing what the hell they put a t-shirt company. You would think a t-shirt company would know how to sell t-shirts, right? Well, our, I mean, they're, they're not a t-shirt company. They just outsourced it. And I, I don't know how involved Pro Wrestling Tees gets with them on something like that. Uh, but 
And, and, and honestly, I mean, she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. We, we got to meet her as we were talking about at, at StarCast at that first all-in. But you got one of the Bucks' wife. Isn't she still running the merch, you know? Yeah, Dana, Mrs. Matt. You're right. That was a great so, interview. I really enjoyed talking to Dana. She was one of the most interesting people that we talked to that whole weekend. Just like how the Young Bucks built their business empire on T-shirts. Yeah, but, I mean, she's she did an amazing job at that level. But now we're talking big leagues here. You know, we're, we're talking a major sports franchise in AEW. You look on the other side of that, the, the difference is where WWE just outsourced that to a true major merchandise company. Right. But I mean, like, it's, it's the same thing pretty much every every show I go to, though, man. Like, when you go to an NXT show, they'll have, like, three different T-shirts and everything else you've got to order online. Um, I haven't been to a WWE show in God knows how long, although I think I'm going to one in September. Um it's just insane the amount of merchandise they do not carry. And and this is one of those things that drives me nuts when I see people talk about these merch numbers. And Roman Reigns is selling more merch than everybody. Well, yeah, when you go to a WWE house show, there will be like eight different Roman Reigns shirts and three other t-shirts to choose from. So, yeah, Roman Reigns is out selling everybody because, Daddy, I want a t-shirt while we're at the show. Oh, well, who's the most popular guy on the show? Oh, Roman Reigns. Yep, give me give me that. No, I absolutely. Yes, and the other problem is most of them suck. Most of the wrestling T-shirt designs suck. I, I did see uh, a recent stat where they, the, like the last quarter, where they had released the top sellers. It's still in there in the top five: Stone Cold Steve Austin and the NWL. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it one true. It, it speaks to their star power, their lasting power. Two, as you just said, today's shirts suck. They're they're ju- they're almost just like the wrestlers themselves, just the cookie cutter. You, you could replace one with the other. There is nobody unique about it. But you look at the Austin T-shirts across the board back then, especially the classic three sixteen. You look at the NWO shirts. We were just talking about the success of of you know what the Bucks have been able to do, and that was with the Bullet Club. Those were cool ass looking shirts. You know, especially with Bullet Club, a lot of people didn't even realize it had anything to do with wrestling. It was just a cool-looking shirt. It's funny because Bullet Club is actually responsible for AEW. For for those that don't know the story, was it the Dallas WrestleMania that the Hot Topic people went to? And they're looking around, and they're seeing all these Bullet Club shirts, and they're like, we want that in our store. People are chanting Bullet Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two, sweet! Yeah, and that, that whole, like... They're looking around. They're like, we want that in our stores. And WWE was like, "Uh, sorry, that's not ours. And once Bullet Club broke through in the hot topic, does AEW happen without that? I don't think it does. Uh, does, it come in, does it come in with the momentum, uh, the enthusiasm, the backing that it does? I still think you get some kind of version of this thing. Uh, just simply because once you get to TK and he's got that money and he's living, what you get is Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor. That's what you would have gotten. Yeah. Well, you take that. You really, I guess you're right because that does start the snowball. Look at what we've been able to do here uh, as as a group. We did this. We we shook the world. We've got people looking at us here. Then we ran all in ourselves. Now let's go to that next step. Let's really do it. I t- I tell you what though, let's take this show to that next step. Or how about even this? The next level. Let's light the fuse on the next level 
Let's welcome him in here, ladies and gentlemen. Just, you know, us Joes ain't going to cut it this week. We need a pro. How about a little vet for you, baby? Hello, He's stalking everyone. me. That's what it is. He's stalking right. me. Every time he like just tunes into every show that is on the internet. And he's like, is Jargo on this show? Is Jargo on this show? Oh, there he is. I have to get on this show. What's going on, vet? How are you, my friend? Are you complaining? <laughs> no, I'm who not would, complaining. Who wouldn't want all this as a stalker, right? It's hilarious, man, because I'll just randomly get texts from the vet and be like, hey, what you doing? We, we should do a show. <laughs> how are things, man? How are, how are things out there on the left coast? Man, everything is super. It's awesome. Thanks for asking. How are you fellas doing on this fine day? It's hot. Yeah. It's very hot. Yeah. It's hot. It is and it hot. just got hotter because here I am. So we, we can turn it up the heat, baby. Uh, yesterday, I, I jumped in, uh, was helping one of my buddies out on a food truck. God, it was, I, I think we registered, it peaked out. It was like 147 degrees inside the truck. It, it was, it was, it was miserable. We had to actually tell the people like, we need to take like a five minute break. Give us a minute. We had to like, so we could just step outside. That temperature shouldn't even heads. exist. Yeah. That temperature shouldn't even exist. Is that why you look as red as the HMG logo? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was just, yeah, I was going to, instead of the blue dot, I'm just going to cover my head up with the logo for now. Don't even tell the difference. Dude, that, that, that's all the passion that I have, you know, to be back on the air here. I out. see. I see that. Yeah. We missed you, man. We missed you. Uh, I've been keeping wow. your seat warm for you on Mondays. I know you don't like to wake up early, but, uh, you know, I am by no means a substitute or like a, a permanent substitute. I'm just a seat warmer. I'm just a, a seat filler like at the Oscars. So, you know, well, but well, it's that- it's been fun. We've uh, we've been talking. I know you were listening in, but now now it's mm-hmm. time to chime in. We were talking mm-hmm. about the oversaturated, you know, just market just between WWE and AEW. Sure, they've mm-hmm. got all these talents, but they but do they really have star power? Is that's what's lacking? I mean, why mm-hmm. why aren't people wanting to go to the arenas to actually watch? It's obviously outside of Wembley, which has been magnificent for them. But you know, mm-hmm. here uh, on in North America, they're struggling, still struggling to put asses in seats. Um, I mean, you know, wrestling's not really cool right now. Uh, we are in the bubble to a degree uh, because it's up to us as pundits or analysts or hosts, whatever you want to call us, what we do here. Um, it's up to us to be on top of what's going on in the industry and try to keep tabs on it at least so that we can talk about it for the people that want to listen to us talk about it. Right. But out in the real world, a lot of people don't really care about wrestling. And if they do, it's the WWE, if anything, right. They don't, there's people that still just don't know that AEW even exists. And you just have to ask yourself, well, how often do you see, the visibility of AEW in everyday life. Like how many, how many like soft drink products are they on? Or or how many, like how many billboards do you see like out in the world? You know, like what are the, what are the merchandising deals that they're making? I mean, they're doing some, but it's just not enough to, to reach a lot of eyes. And, you know, maybe people don't even pay attention to it when they do see it. Um, So I think that's, that's a big deal. And it's hard to just, I mean, who creates a wrestling company from scratch 
and then just as automatically like at a competition level you know the only people that even did that was uh you know the jarrett's back in 2002 but that wasn't even close to competition level at that point because you could argue that the wwe was on a high point and they were getting ready to slide in 2002 right so TNA was not really competition, not only because of the lower visibility, not only because of the Bush League atmosphere, but the fact that you had to pay 10 bucks a week to even see it. So like you're offering me a, a lesser product. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like it wouldn't have been worth 10 bucks some weeks, but at the same time, you're asking somebody to pay for less than what they're getting uh you know from raw and smackdown every week so uh, even if it's just perceived to be less even if it just seems like it's low budget or whatever so the point is um even though AEW's got the the professional look and, and everything and they're and for uh, for you know three years in whatever it is four years in whatever um they're they're moving along reasonably well but you can't just expect people to just keep you know you can't expect people to come out of the woodwork and care when they're not even interested in what used to be the only game in town anymore and then um you've also got the fact that like you guys were talking about with the oversaturation and the limited touring you know for a while they were only kind of going around like sort of the right side of the country you know and how many times can they run chicago you know to jargo's point and and uh how many times and then and then don't forget there's one thing people always conveniently forget when they're talking about AEW struggles when they first debuted and they were kind of getting a little bit of traction and some buzz and they were providing a little something different regardless of whether it was better worse you know the same or whatever that little thing called a pandemic hit and crippled any momentum that they could have had right like if you were tuning in to AEW on a weekly basis and then you tuned in to see Daly's place with the fucking the guys from dark in the audience clapping how many times are you going to keep tuning in to watch that like it got sad those couple of years when people are wrestling in empty buildings and i say this all the time the wwe had a chance to prove that they do make movies pal and all they did was have matches in an empty building so they expose themselves as frauds they're not bigger than wrestling they're not entertainers they're not storytellers they're a wrestling company and they can't even do that right because all they did was have matches in empty buildings so that turned a lot of people off of wrestling for those couple of years because it got weird and sad right so then when everything kind of comes back how many people were just like never going to come back anyway like i'm never even going to check back in on AEW again and then they switched channels. They got booted off of TNT. There's so many things that have happened to AEW to sort of like, you know, stunt their growth that they could have naturally had like a progression that could have been building. And maybe they didn't know how to surmount those obstacles. They did plenty of things to shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, there's just all kinds of things, but I think a lot of people that are aw naysayers just really like to simplify things like oversimplify the facts and they also like to conveniently leave out certain facts like i've stated um, well it's like so rick I, we were talking about when i was down there um new japan is a great example too all, all the momentum in the world that new japan had going and then the pandemic hit and now i think i i've seen like three maybe four people online talking about the g1 
and it was everywhere before the pandemic hit. You're right. We were talking mm-hmm. about it just a one week ago. We we went and had an awesome burger just down the street from where I'm broadcasting at here, and we we were talking about how hot New Japan was. Everybody was jumping on with it. Hell, Jargo had his own show with it. That was coming on. You guys, you know, were rocking and rolling with it. It was everywhere, and now you don't get hardly a mention of it, especially even at the G1 since the shutdown. You know, right. they had all it's, that momentum. They were going to tour over here. They were going to open open their own office over here, right? Didn't we have New Japan, mm-hmm. USA, or whatever New Japan Strong. Strong. Yep, yeah. uh, all of and them. it's still going. It's just nobody knows about it. Right. So I didn't even know it was still around. And it it's a, and it's a it's a it's a sort of an inferior version because if you like mm-hmm. Jargo will know if you want New Japan you want New Japan you want those guys you don't want all the indie white dudes that the other companies didn't want that's not what you want when you're expecting to see New Japan but the pandemic crippled them too from you know everything they were doing to the point now when you know when they would send guys. You know, to represent them, they're sending the guys that they can afford to lose. Like they're sending the Satoshi Kojimas, they're sending, you know, the Yuji Nagatas and the Minoru Suzuki's and stuff. They're not going to give you the Okadas and the Naitos and the, you know, they're not going to do that because they can't afford to lose those stars too. So the pandemic was just very, very hard for wrestling as a business for everybody, really. But you know, we're talking about wrestling here, and uh, that, you know, I don't know. It, so AEW does have some work to do, um, but the good news is that they're owned by a guy that basically, for all intents and purposes, has bottomless pockets. So as long as he wants this to go on, it will go on. You know, whereas now, if like the WWE has now been supposedly purchased and they're finalizing that deal or whatever. Like, and I keep saying this, it's like a possibility, however slight, however infinitesimal possibility, but there's a non-zero possibility that if they decide that the WWE isn't worth it, they can close it and it'll be gone forever, which didn't used to be the case. Now, will it happen? Probably not, but it's a possibility now because it's no longer like a family owned business. So, you know, if they decide they want to close it, they can close it. And AEW is a little bit different now. As long as Tony Khan is privately owning it, he can just keep running it however he wants. So there's that aspect, too. Well, I think everything you laid out, Fed, it, it, it was perfect. I never really thought about it. it was, you know, it's so easy to say, well, why don't they do this? Why haven't they achieved, you know, hit this level of success? And you're right. The hurdles, the mountains that have been put in their way thankfully as you said you know they've got uh you know not pockets orange cassidy the champion they've got pockets backstage and tony khan that can keep them afloat through anything i, I would say you know overall though it, it is it's frustrating especially you know what i do in my daily life in, in work in marketing and, and all that and to see where even aew themselves tony khan himself is just like us we're inside that bubble where he just assumes that, you know, people are going to know about, you know, all elite wrestling, that they're going to know about all the, you know, with Forbidden Door. You know, they just run out these individuals from Japan, and a lot of us have no idea who these people are or why we should be excited about anything. And in AEW, you get the sense it's they're treating it as that's a me problem as a fan because I don't know it, not a them problem because they didn't promote somebody properly. A, a great example is what we saw last week with Kota Ibushi. 
Kota Ibushi comes walking out on AEW TV and they just expect everybody to know who Kota Ibushi is, his relationship with all of the elite, why they are the golden elite, why he's even there. And they, they don't tell you absolutely nothing. You could have ran a three minute video package about the formation of the golden elite and the, the reunite, reuniting of the golden lovers, a three minute video package that would have gotten people to actually understand why this was a big deal. Instead, they had a, Fat Ibushi come out and just punch people in the face a couple times. I mean, th- that that was the introduction to Kota Ibushi. And then this week for the follow-up, oh, wait, there wasn't a follow-up. There wasn't even a mention of the Elite on this show. That's right. Uh, yeah, That's right. A few mentions of them here and there, but nothing of significance. Well, I mean, they, they just won blood and guts last week. Like, where's where's the backstage vignette? Where where's you know Kenny like saying, okay, so now what's next? Or is he going after Ke- Takeshita? Is is he going after the Don Callis thing? Is Ibushi going to be sticking around? What are the Hung Bucks doing? How do the Hung Bucks even feel about Ibushi being there? Because let's face it, the Young Bucks were never that accepting of Kota Ibushi to begin with in New Japan Pro Wrestling and that relationship that he had going on with Kenny. Like, there's so many angles. There's so many things they. Could could have done and instead they did nothing instead they gave you a main event match with the best friends the best friends were in the main event and then you had ar fox and orange cassidy as the opening match the only two things that people are going to remember from a wrestling show are the opening match and the main event and both of them were crap last night that's right again oh <laughs> uh, well, well well yeah i mean not only not only is everything he just said correct but like we didn't even see, like not one of those guys was there at all like the blackpool combat club was there was any elite person even on the show no the only follow-up you got from blood and guts was moxley beating the crap out of orange cassidy because he was pissed off about what happened last week and and like a one minute video package recapping blood and guts that was it yeah weird you know, meanwhile, yeah. on Collision, they're making very careful to follow up on things that they do every week, you know? So if you prefer a little bit more cohesion in your storytelling, but you still like the AW flavor, maybe check that show out because they could use a few more viewers too, you know? But um, but this is a Dynamite review. We'll get, we'll get to Dynamite there. I, I do got a, a news story that's popped up here. I was looking for some topics earlier this morning. I didn't see this one. It, it's just came to my attention. Great opportunity, Rebecca, because you were talking about the potential now that you know, mm-hmm. at some point, if WWE is falling on hard times, it could go away. You know, a parent mm-hmm. company can say, you know, this department's not working. We're just going to close the doors on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan recently in an interview said that he regrets that him and Vince McMahon didn't buy the UFC a long time ago. Uh, I'm just going to, I don't know, should we just add this to the long list of BS that Hogan's given us? That he was going to be a major league, he was going to play in the major leagues, he was going to join Metallica, you know, the all, you know, anything out there, all the numbers, right. the stats that he has thrown out there over the years, uh, the, the backside politics that, that he has kind of skewed in his favor. I, I got, you know, a certain part of me, I don't think Hogan's lying here. I think this is just like the Seinfeld you know, George Costanza advice. If you believe it, it's not a lie. Mm-hmm. But I guess this is going back and, and I'd never heard this. I, I've heard that Shane, you know, was trying to talk Vince into yeah. potentially buying UFC. 
back in the, the old school barbaric days when it was just, you know, no weight classes, everybody whooping everybody's ass. But apparently here recently, now Hogan is sharing news that he was going to be involved in that deal. <laughs> Maybe sure Hogan's he was, gonna, brother. Yeah. Maybe Hogan's going to, you know, talk about how he dropped the elbow on test off the Titantron too. Like, I don't, yeah, he, he, he may just be confusing his role in all this. I don't know, but, um, you know, maybe he's privy to some back backstage conversations uh, that even uh, Shane didn't know about. You know, who knows? Maybe they did. But yes, it is interesting how the the turns have tabled, where the UFC has now bought WWE, when WWE could have got them for a song. So, uh, yep, that just it, it's it's those are it's things like that that when people try to put Vince McMahon over. That, that is why I take such pleasure in shooting them down and pointing out how every aspect of this man's life is a failure except for the one thing that he stole from his dad and stole the talent from everybody else that was already made and established. You and know, about other than that, everything else failed. Him owning that company. Because really, I mean, when you look at the Attitude Era, I mean, you could even go up to five years and say the Attitude Era was like, you know, 96 to like 2001. Other than that, tell me what great wrestling Vince McMahon has put out. I'll wait. He's living off of a reputation from 25 years ago. Well, 96 was 96 was T.L. Hopper, the goon, who, that was 96. That's Vince McMahon. It's other guys like Russo Ferrara or whatever that said, hey, let's try something else because this shit ain't cutting it. You know, and everybody else agreed, but no one else wanted to say it before those guys, pretty much. So, I mean, that's it. So, I mean, Vince gets the credit for stopping having ideas. Like, is that, is that what we get? Is that what we give him the credit for? You know? So, uh, but anyway, yeah, the point is, um, I there was a point in time when the UFC was not nearly as big as it is now. And, it could have we we could have seen a very different landscape in combat sports but uh as it is now the wwe has been purchased so there you go rick i thought you were going to tell me about the other hulk hogan story that I, i'm aware of from this week um did you know hulk hogan can actually become a worse person than hulk hogan already is i didn't think it was possible either and now he's engaged to a scientologist there you go I, I, I was going to guess that the only way I think he could go any lower is if he got involved in human trafficking, but we'll go with the Well, I mean, but now being a member of the Church of Scientology, brother, I'm going to be in the next Top Gun. Yeah, I'm going to beat up on Tom Cruise. <laughs> what is, what, what, is what, uh, what, they, what do they call their ratings when they grab the... Uh, all my knowledge from, the science, from anything with Scientology comes from South Park. When they take your, <laughs> like, what, Beyond ratings or something like that, I... <laughs> I could I couldn't tell you. I'm I'm glad to be ignorant on that subject. But well, I was gonna say so. Is Hogan? Uh, maybe he's the you know the reincarnated version of of uh, Ron Hubbard. You know, is that was the South Park episode? They thought it was Stan that the leader of the church had come back through. So maybe Hogan will be the new face. Uh, Scientology running wild, brother. Uh, well, he out. was going to be the new face, but you know, plans changed at the last minute. They went with Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise said that doesn't work for me, brother. Hogan Hogan missing out on the George Foreman grills, missing out on UFC, missing out on Metallica, now missing out on Scientology. No prayers, vitamins. Love that. <laughs> 
There we go. Hey, did, didn't Hulk Hogan have vitamins? I swear he had vitamins, didn't he? Oh, I'm like, sure. Like Flintstones vitamins? Like, wasn't that, wasn't that like... I'm sure there uh, were just Flintstones vitamins repackaged with terrible people, you know? So he had like, you know, Ultimate Warrior was on the bottle. And Hulk Hogan was on the bottle. Had to be Brutus Beefcake, too. There had oh, to yeah, be a, Brutus a was beef, definitely on the bottle. Beefcake vitamin, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had some vitamins, all right. So it almost got Vince sent to jail in the 90s. <laughs> during yeah. the T.L. Hopper days and all that. So, yeah, they, they, yeah. they were taking care of everybody back then. Uh, well, gentlemen, let's let's jump into this week's episode of AEW All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Of course, this is a, a week after the big blood and gut show. Jargon made mention of not a, not a whole lot uh, of reference back there. They did tie a few things together, but he said not like a we didn't get a whole lot of, of fallout from those big moments, the big payoffs that we saw at that event. Uh, interesting, you know, on the blood and guts where we actually jump into the, this week's episode. Um, I was reading the report. What the what we did not get to see at home that those in attendance got to see was kind of a, uh, you know, just like the click in Madison Square Garden, a, a post show little send off where the, the the elite and Combat Club came together, shook hands, and said, you know, this is it. This is the end of our 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 feud. We're good to go. I guess they went even further in the back. Uh, I guess it was real emotional, you know. Uh, they were all hanging out. They they even signed uh, one of the, the Bucks had everyone sign one of his sneakers for a little piece of memorabilia. Really struck me as they're going overboard here, saying, "Look, we can all play nice. This is this is a unified locker room. We're we're a brotherhood here." So I didn't know maybe that was like a, a shot at what's happening at Collision in in the Punk Click as what they've got going on over at Dynamite. Am I overreading that vet, or is there something there? Um, I don't know if you're overreading it. Uh, all I know is that, you know, pretty much everybody that's involved with that main event last week is dead to me. You know, they were before, but I'm just saying like that cements it even further in case there was a chance of them being resuscitated or, or whatever. But like the only, the only person that's not necessarily dead to me is poor Wheeler Yuta, who's just been dragged into all this and you know <laughs> literally dragged by a chain and choked uh but but uh you know he's he's sort of he's sort of the innocent bystander and in all this and uh even though he really probably doesn't have too much potential as a, as a talent i just still I, I like i don't hate him but everybody else uh you know that's involved all those guys on the elite side everybody in the combat club could basically eat a dick as far as i'm concerned um, and this is just, this is just, this is exactly why, because they have no respect for any kind of business or, or whatever we're trying to accomplish here. Um, you don't want to like, even if it is, even if the cameras are off, the cameras are never off. This isn't, this isn't the, you know, the eighties or even the nineties. And no one would have even saw that curtain call. If that one guy didn't have some recording device that he wasn't fucking supposed to have then, but you know back then when they did stuff like that they thought nobody would ever see it right so now everybody's got 4k cameras in their pocket so nothing is not on tv anymore just because it's not on the broadcast so if you're out there in front of the people you know you got a good chance that somebody's gonna eventually see this stuff and that is just again when you're actively trying to combat your haters you know online 
in this small niche bubble world that they all live in and you you've got half of them if not more just hating the fact that you exist you're just giving them bullets for their guns by doing stuff like this because they're going to point this stuff out and they're going to drag you for it and rightly so i can't i can't defend them when they do stuff like this so you know that's how i feel about it what about you jargo i mean I'm, i'm very much the same way um the stuff that happens backstage i've done a really really good job of getting away from i just like stop paying attention to it and unless it happens on camera i i don't try to pay any attention to what's going on because i'm all about the narrative right and i don't i don't want that narrative spoiled like uh i kenny omega made a reference to kota ibushi like a week before we got the announcement that Abushi was going to be there and it completely ruined the surprise. Right. I mm. think wrestling fans would be much better off to just pay attention to what is happening on the TV and stop worrying about the bucks being marks for themselves backstage and, you know, having people sign memorabilia so that we can hawk it later on, you know, pro wrestling during uh, some live meet and greet in a virtual world. Um, they've always been doing that crap. I don't know. I, I I just find it if you watch it as a TV show and quit paying attention to all the backstage politics and all the backstage BS, you will be a much happier wrestling fan. That's kind of where I'm at with the whole situation at this point. Uh, the entire elite are not dead to me as of yet. I, I, I I'm 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 close vet, but I'm not quite all the way there. Um, never really had a whole lot of use for the Blackpool Combat Club, and I'm happy to see everybody move on from it. Uh, somebody had made the comment in the chat that Moxley came out and beat up Orange Cassidy because of what happened at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So you just assume that everybody that was watching Dynamite watched the Ring of Honor pay-per-view because they didn't mention it at all during the broadcast. The entire thing went completely over my head. I just thought Moxley wanted to punch Orange Cassidy in the face, which... I feel like we all kind of want to punch Orange Cassidy in the face. Uh, Moxley with the baby face turn for me last night on Dynamite. I think it was even a little bit more confusing than that as well as, you know, they're not commentary is not putting over the ring of honor event and, and really going in, into depth about what happened there, but they're making mention of uh combat club having issues with, with pack packs in the building. You know, why, why aren't we going after him? In, in any way, no interaction there, but they're going after poor Orange Cassidy. So it, it was, there is some confusion. They've got a lot of parts working. I, I like that, but you've got to make sure that you're relaying that to, to the to the audience so that they can keep up with it. You can't well, yeah. cater to the 30,000 when you have a million people watching the show. That's always been the problem with AEW. Hold on. That's the American way. Cater to the to the, just the few percent and, and fuck the masses. <laughs> The vocal Isn't minority the truth. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's let's jump into this week's episode. We get we got a, a full lineup here. Jugger, real quick on this. I think that you've talked about before. But are you a fan of them announcing the entire card, Jargo? Um, I'm fine with them announcing the entire card. Um, just don't announce the entire card for the next six shows all at the same time, <laughs> so I can remember what is going to be on what card. I don't know. See, I always, I, I look at the card because they'll announce it a day or so early. And I'm like, all right, I'm already out. More than not, I'm turned off by most of what I'm going to see there. Or I know to find or figure out where the usual segments are at so I don't have to watch. I mean, it's not like back in the day where maybe you're teasing me with something. I'm going to hang around for the show to watch this. It's, 
if you if you tell them you're gonna have a good card it's a good idea to tell them if you tell them your main event is gonna have the best friends then you might want to keep that a secret but i you know if this is a sporting event you need to tell me what's on the sporting event you know the nfl doesn't surprise you with their schedule like you know it doesn't it doesn't they don't have patrick mahomes come out and say you know what i'm not doing anything later i'm not doing anything next sunday how about you and me have a football game and then the nfl's like we'll make it official no that doesn't happen so i'm tired of people booking their own stuff but you know at the same time like if you're gonna if you're gonna lay it out like what you have you you better have some some uh you know appetizing uh courses on this on this menu well, I've often just... wondered, like at a WWE show, when they're like, "Oh, and that's going to be the main event later tonight." What was the planned main event? What, yeah. what, what did? You, what were you planning on headlining this show I, with before you know somebody called somebody else a dick? I just, I just want one time for them for Adam Pierce to have to go up to Apollo Cruz and say, "Sorry, kid, you got bumped. I got a better match." <laughs> you know, like, like, oh man, I should have seen that coming. But uh, I, I guess to to make the 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 sports comparison there, like in the NFL, if they come on and it's, you know, the Bengals and Chiefs and they're like, all right, the third quarter, you know, the Bengals are just running fullback dives up the middle. I'm probably not going to watch the third quarter. Yeah. And I feel like I get that a lot of times with, you know, with some of these undercard announcements for these matches. But what we do got a but, full card. But will you watch the game if they tell you that Joe Burrow is going to cut a 15-minute promo in the middle of the fourth quarter? I probably would stick around for that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right so uh, we, we've got the uh, the show here. It's coming to us from the MVP Arena in Albany, New York. On the commentary, we've got Tony Schiavone. We've got Taz, and uh, as always, Excalibur there on at the booth. We're going to open things up here on this show. We have got the All Elite Wrestling International Championship on the line. Got Orange Cassidy, of course, the champion. Defending against AR Fox, we get opened up with a, a little video package of vignette highlighting the relationship between Darby Allen and AR Fox. I like this piece. I thought it was well put together. Uh, you got a connection. You, you could feel, you know, the, the real relationship between these two. AR Fox, incredible talent. Uh, I know, you know Ben regularly sings his praises here on the show. Probably one of the better athletes in the company. Unfortunately, up to this point, he's regularly just been used as like a filler in nonsense six-man tags. So we haven't really learned anything about him or get to know about him. Like I said, I like this piece, but I was thinking the entire time, like, why haven't we been building him initially so that I care about him in this match, but especially because now we're going to shotgun a whole story with him during this episode. That? Um, well, yeah. So how long has AR Fox been working at AEW? Like two years? or longer uh darby allen's also been working there so he only decided to care about ar fox this week or last week <laughs> yeah. like oh yeah i remember this guy that let me live with him <laughs> i just remembered of course hey can we put together a video package for him and give him a title shot that would be great guys so now anybody that wants to have some some backstory and some character introduction they need darby allen right like he has to know who you are and care about you Otherwise, we're not going to get a, 
a Nick Wayne or we're not going to get an AR Fox on television getting getting matches. Only Darby Allen caring about you can get you a, a video package to to introduce you to the fans. Yeah, this is a little too little too late. And, you know, we've all known AR Fox since probably at least Lucha Underground, at least. Um, but we've also seen he's just been kind of floating around Ring of Honor here. You know, a few AW Dynamite six-mans every now and then. Um, you know, again, nothing against the guy, but it's more on the company. It just seems weird that all of a sudden now, you know, we get this. But you're also, you also need to feed somebody to the orange. So, you know, it's good to give him a little bit of buildup before, you know, he, you know, lays down for one, two, three. Jargon, what do you think about the, the vignette and the timing here? I'm I'm with Vet on all of it, um, especially if you're going to introduce Ar Fox and a guy who has been so influential on so many of these guys' careers. Can't you get somebody other than Darby too to like maybe throw in a couple of lines? Like maybe if you have like you know ten different talents putting over how great Ar Fox is and how he's the best kept secret on the independent scene for years, then maybe would people would care a little bit more. Um, the problem that I see with AR Fox has always been just the personality, right? Um, it, it's always been, wow, that guy is really, really good. What's his deal? And you never know. Like, I, as long as I've been watching AR Fox, have you ever seen an AR Fox promo? Like on national TV? Because I can't think of one. I, I, what is the AR Fox personality? We saw more personality out of AR Fox at the end of this match than I think I've seen out of him in probably five years. And then Moxley came out and cut off his balls. I mean, like that entire sequence with Moxley coming out, I feel like it just buried the, the AR Fox heel turn. And the one thing that actually made him interesting to me was now gone because now I want to see Moxley squash Orange Cassidy for this belt. That's what I want to see. The match itself, you know, what we've come to expect uh, with, with Orange, he's going out there, um, they told a story inside of the match where Fox is working. Was he working the knee? Yeah, working the knee there uh, of the champ, wearing him down. And of course, you know, working the one body part that hadn't been worked yet, right? Like that's the whole story with Orange Cassidy at this point. Is it, when is his body going to degrade to a point that he simply cannot defend this title anymore? And that's why, like, I'm fully for John Moxley just like squashing Orange Cassidy in 20 seconds. Just come out and tap the dude out, take his belt, and then Orange Cassidy can disappear for like, you know, three months. I'd be fine with that. Just have him start popping up in the back, just like in a full body cast, because he's been just dismantled, systematically dismantled over all weekend at Orange Cassidy's. You bet. Like like instead of weekend at Bernie's, we get weekend at Orange Cassidy's. Now that you know, when Jargo was talking about could we pepper in some other people to really put over, you know, the, the influence. The, the, how powerful AR has been inside of this business. Were they just narrowly, could, did they just include Darby here because of what we saw, you know, afterwards, after the match, AR takes the loss, frustration, he goes on the attack, lays the champ out. Even Taz mentions it on commentary, even AR himself maybe for a moment was like, man, what did I just do? Like I just lost control, you know? And then you have Darby just sprinting out, pushing him into the back, what are you doing? That's not how we do things. You man up, you pick the loss. Were they so focused on trying to tell that story so quick that they they missed an opportunity to, to put together an even more powerful piece? 
Well, they're always missing opportunities. So you just take your pick. Like what probably what would have been the best way to do this is if he does what he does out of frustration. If, if Darby runs out there immediately, it looks like this was a planned spot. So maybe you have a pre-tape where when he comes back, Darby comes up to him and says, Hey, what was that? That way you get the, you can hear what they're actually saying the way they did it. You know, he's like, Darby's asking him questions. Like, what the hell are you doing? And AR Fox has no prepared line, so he just stands there looking stupid the whole time. Right on camera, right on national TV, looks stupid while somebody's talking to him and he's just like, uh, uh, uh. You know, that that's not the best look for him. So that kind of buried him a little bit. Not really his fault. I just think that whole thing was, uh, they put it together wrong. Um, now... Uh, as far as it to me what it look kind of looks like is going on here is that Darby is uh, using his sort of like his status to start calling in some favors for friends of his you know like like hey I don't ask for much but you know my buddy Nick Wayne you know and then hey AR Fox has been here a while think it would be cool if we gave him a little bit of something or give him a little angle or whatever like that you know like I think Darby's like trying to help some people out here that's what it that's what it literally looks like. It looks like this stuff is only coming up because as a shoot, Darby's like trying to help out his friends. It's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, I could I could ask for some things. You know, I could have some friends get some stuff. So that, that's what it looks like to me. I don't know how you guys think about it, but I mean, I can't think of any other reason why suddenly you got Darby Allen cutting impassioned promos on video packages about two completely separate guys. And he's the only one. We don't have the 10 other guys. Well, and, and the other thing, at least for me, right, is like you talk about Darby cashing in his cachet, right? Of like, you know, I'm, I'm going to help get these guys over. Maybe Darby should get himself over first because Darby, of all of the pillars, to me, is by far the weakest. He has the least character development. He's Sting's little buddy. It took Sting to even get Darby over to the point that he is. Darby's over. Darby's not over. Darby Allen could walk into a skate park in your hometown and you would think he was just some punk ass kid. Like, no, these guys are not over. I just, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. And I don't understand why it's suddenly becoming Darby and friends. Is Darby starting his own faction? Are we going to get like Darby and his Island of misfit toys? Like I, I, I just, the whole thing is just falling flat to me because I don't care enough about Darby Allen to care enough about the people that Darby Allen likes and the people that Darby Allen wants you to like, because I don't like Darby. Oh, come on, Jarger. This is this is the the new people power. It's pillar power. He's using that influence that he's got with, inside the company uh, to get his friends taken care of there. And hey, if you don't don't do it the way Darby likes, he he's going to let you hear about it. But again, it. okay, in doing that, they have to be very careful because otherwise, they're going to turn Darby heel. Mm -hmm. If this is just going to be Darby, just like you know, getting favors for all of his buddies eventually that's going to turn Darby heel, especially if it ends up like this AR Fox thing last night. Yeah. If they keep being transparent about it, it, it will. But I, I think, um, you know, as far as, as far as the pillars thing, I'd much rather see Darby than Sammy or, or Jack Perry ever. Uh, and I think the crowd is much more behind him because he's never changed who he's supposed to be, especially multiple times like Sammy Guevara has. 
So I think they can get behind they can get behind a Darby just because of what he represents and how unique he is. And I think people always gravitate to that. And I think they put Sting with him to ensure that people would feel that way about him. But I also think that if they had never put Sting with him, eventually he would have got there. He's a guy that they use as a utility player. Doesn't matter if he wins or loses, doesn't hurt him whatsoever. Um, he's going to be somebody that people just want to see because of the things he does. The difference between Darby Allen and every other one of these wannabe daredevils that's on the show is that Darby Allen can work. He just chooses to do the things that he does. And I think that, that sort of like, that puts a, um, that puts him like a, a level above, uh, the other guys, even the other pillars, not MJF, but you know. Uh, it, it's it's his actual foundation that allows him to get away with what he does, and I think it shines through in the same way that people gravitate toward Daniel Bryan because they just saw him as like honest, you know, like he's one of us, we believe in him, that kind of a thing. I think they see that in Darby, even though he's a totally different character. But to Jargo's point, you know, if it becomes way too obvious that we're only seeing these people we didn't want to see before and don't want to see now just because they're Darby's buddies, then that might get him some heat in the uh, internet bubble. But for the people that are only watching the TV show, uh, you know, it'll be harder for them to uh, to figure out what's going on, probably. Well, I think it'd be a good device for, you know, anyone that's an adversary of Darby at some point to call it out on television. You're like, hey, look at all, look what, what's going on here. You're you're supposed to be the the average Joe. You're you're the relatable one. You, you just mentioned that on the level of a uh, of a Brian, but no, he, you're just as bad as anybody else. You know, using well, it should your be status as one of the pillars. Yeah, right. It or, should be AR Fox. Right. AR Fox should come out and basically be like, listen, dude, I've been doing this longer than you've been in the business. I don't need your charity. I can do this on my own. Right, like mm -hmm. it, it should be AR Fox with the buildup that they gave us last night. Maybe they will. We go uh, backstage where uh, Don Callis is with Chris Jericho. They're also joined by uh, the lovely Renee Paquette, and this is uh, Callis's. He's doing the, the formal offer there to get Jericho to become involved with the Don Callis family. Uh, and he's got gifts. He's bringing gifts. He's got the uh, the the portrait there put together of those two from their their days in the '90s with with bad news. Uh, he's got the gift, and Callus has also gone out of his way to get together to put together a tag match that would feature uh, Tashida and Jericho against. And this is where they dropped the bombshell. Uh, Jericho's own uh, his his posse. Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. Uh, Jargo, your thoughts on uh, the the interaction here between Jericho and Callis? I mean, I'm I'm always down for an interaction between Don Callis and Chris Jericho because they're just two masters of their craft, right? They're they're really really good at what they're doing. Um, it felt a little too Jimmy Jacobs for me. Like it, it felt like this was kind of a combination of everything that we've seen out of Chris Jericho's career over the course of the last like 10 years and like a minute and a half kind of backstage segment. Um, even like the, the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho art thing that they did, the Don Callis, Kenny Omega art thing they did. Like there was a lot of callbacks here that I'm not sure a lot of people necessarily caught on to, but 
I'm down for it because I'm kind of over the whole Jericho Appreciation Society. I like Jericho more as a heel than I do as a babyface. And I think him and Don Callis, the chemistry those two guys have together is absolutely fantastic. And I would love to see it more on screen. I just feel like this whole Don Callis family thing came out of nowhere and we jumped immediately to like chapter four of the novel and we're, we're never going to actually hear chapters one, two, and three. Like, I, I think there's a lot of really, really good potential here, but so far I'm, I'm still kind of holding my breath. What do you think, bet? I think it's a huge whiplash to have Chris Jericho be ridiculous for like the past year, year and a half, like a cartoon character, like no one would ever act. And now he's playing the straight man to Don Callis's foolishness where he's just quietly sitting there. Like, you know, like very, very one word response, very silent, very, when he's been peacocking for this whole, this whole time. And, and ha just the fact that we're talking about something called the Jericho appreciation society. And now he's just going to be like a regular person, just the straight man to all this, you know, that that's a little bit jarring. And, uh, and it's kind of one of the things that, um, it makes it hard to consistently like just buy into all the stuff that they're doing. So I haven't liked anything Chris Jericho's done for like five years. And this is no different. Well, while we're on this topic and I'm just going to tie it in, we'll, we'll skip ahead a little bit in the show here because we do have uh, a follow-up to this, to this segment here where the appreciation society, they kind of confront Jericho on this and, and they're not too happy about it. Uh, and I think what really would turn off to turn me off to the, the interaction here is that it's Anna Jay's the one that, that lays down the law uh, that's saying that, you know, they've always appreciated Jericho, but now he's showing that maybe he's never appreciated them. And Jesus Christ, do we need uh pregnant fucking Mello on television, especially there right in the forefront. I mean, she is dressed like somebody at the, I don't at the flea market with the half cut off shirt with a big ass belly hanging out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Just the visual there immediately turned me off to this thing. But uh, well, the, the one be, for me, what? Go ahead, Jared. What What's going on with Sammy Guevara? Because it seemed like they were like turning Sammy Guevara babyface again. Then they put him in a tag team in the in the blind eliminator. He's not happy about it. Now all of a sudden, him and Garcia are buddy buddy, and they're they're going to keep tagging together. And now Jericho's the one that's on the out. So how are we even supposed to feel about Sammy Guevara? How does he even feel about any of this? Like, just none of it makes any kind of logical sense. But, oh, I don't have an answer for that question. Oh, I, yeah. Just anything. If you your, your take if you, on the whole interaction here, uh, Jericho yeah, not showing just, the appreciation take, for his just, posse. Yeah, just just take everything I said about the previous segment. I haven't liked anything Jericho's done in the past five years, and none of this is any different. I don't care. I don't care about bad actors doing bad acting and trying trying to make me think that anybody on the planet Earth would ever act like this for five seconds. And I really don't care about uh, that baby getting screen time already. All right, put that thing away. Yeah, I, you know, I thought you know one of the, the true benefits for all of us when she announced she was pregnant that she would be going away. Uh, but apparently that's not the case. We got to get screen time for. For everybody there, uh, you know, again, to me, you have her involved with this stuff. She can't be involved in any payoffs. 
And there's nothing to look forward to her with. Let her just go enjoy the pregnancy and, and worry about uh, becoming a mother and all of that stuff. We don't need her on television. We do transition. We have uh, we're, we remain backstage. Uh, Claudio, he's got a message for all the kids at home. You don't play with fire. And he's got an even more important message, a public service announcement for the kids around AEW. You don't mess with the Blackpool Combat Club. He's he starts he starts to go in on on pack and Moxley kind of interrupts him and, you know, just throws out the warning there that uh, anyone that crosses the Blackpool Combat Club is going to end up in a pool of blood. Vet your, your thoughts uh, here on uh, on the gang throwing out the uh, the threats to everybody. Well, as long as as long as we're giving safety messages, I got one for Claudio. Don't eat ring posts. Uh, but anyway, um, this is, uh, yeah, yawn <laughs> basically is my review of this. Uh, if anything, I want to see, I wanted to see Moxley pissed off at Blackpool combat club. Like you guys lost us that match last week, right? There was no mention of any of that. Yeah. I, again, you know, it's just, you, you lose in a, in a high stakes match. In a, in a big program like that. And no, no, we're just going to roll on. We just move on. Now we'll just start oh, beating. Up. Speaking of that, what were the stakes again? Huh. Oh, oh, oh. Well, stakes oh. are better than ring post. Mm -hmm. Tastes better. Even if they're, even if they're $2. Yeah. Uh, we head back out to the arena where Tony Schiavone introduces the FTW champion, Jack Perry. Uh, Perry coming out. He's got the I beat hooks t-shirt on. He's got the orange uh, track shorts. Uh, he, he's out there to say, you know, he, he promised, he vowed to the AEW audience, the fans, that he was going to win a championship. But he by no means meant that piece of crap relic from ECW, the FTW championship. Uh, this is going to bring, he kind of, you know, just buries that that group of individuals what they meant to the business and that prompts jerry lynn to hit the ring and, and he's ready for a fight he's looking to kick somebody's ass i i was liking i was liking the fire here from perry a little bit maybe he's found a voice a groove but as this thing progressed and he had to kind of carry himself and work through a segment here and he just continues to expose himself that it, it, i don't know if he's ready for this sort of level jargo I like this better than Jungle Boy. I'll say that. Um, I'm enjoying Jack Perry as a heel more than I thought that I would. Um, especially the match that he had against Hook where he won the FTW championship because he's slowed down his style. He's not doing all the flippy stuff to get himself cheered by the crowd. Um, I love the Beethoven's fifth entrance music with absolutely no Tron. Like, There's a lot of good things that are going for Jack Perry right now. Unfortunately, he's Jack Perry. And, and inevitably, that's going to be the problem here. I mean, it... it this persona, if he can work it right, he could become somebody like a Christian Cage. But are we forgetting the fact that, like, this is exactly what Christian Cage told him? Like, shouldn't he be, like, kissing Christian's ass to get back with Christian Cage at this point? I mean, the, the, just the, the incoherence or at least, or at least of the booking. Or at least Christian trying to leech back on. Like, this is what right, I've been like, trying to I get told out of Good job, Jack. I told you this is what you needed to do. You're like, 
who was driving the car when Jack like buried the boots and everything. Like there's all kinds of weird stuff going on here. And then they bring out Jerry Lynn and I love me some Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn was my favorite wrestler for a period of time back there in the 1990s. I have no desire to see Jerry Lynn wrestle in 2023, let alone to lose a match to Jack Perry. Like I, it's just because I don't feel like there's the nostalgia for Jerry Lynn. Like if this was Rob Van Dam, maybe people would feel differently about it, but it's like Jerry Lynn was never over enough with a mainstream audience for anybody to care about Jack Perry beating up Jerry Lynn. It just, it seems like, oh, what can we do for Jack this next couple of weeks? And uh, unless this is leading to like Rob Van Dam versus Jack Perry at like all out at Wembley. I mean, if, if that's the buildup for it, then great. But it's kind of pulling teeth to get there. Uh, real quick bet before I kick it over to you. You know, over in the chat, they're talking about it. Frank Pickerbell hit it twice on this. I, I get they're trying. Oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to put him in the shorts. We'll give him. Uh, a, a piece of crap put together t-shirt that says IP hook. I mean, I, if you're going to come out as Jack Perry, you got the Holly, you got the Hollywood good looks. You've got the tie in where one, why isn't he dressed way better than everyone else? Nice suit where, you know, he is on another level than everyone. Here's talk about Anna J they're together. Put them together on screen, make people hate him even more to have that. That's his piece. Uh, I, Complete miss there again on it, but uh, vet your thoughts on the the promo itself, the interaction, and overall where we're going here with the no longer Jungle Boy, Mr. Jack Perry. Well, I'm just over here laughing because Jargo was saying literally everything I would have said if I had gone first, you know. Uh, so that uh, thank you for taking care of that for me, and then I'll just also add that um, as far as the Janet, the Anna J thing. I think Jungle Boy smartly doesn't want it. This is not a slight on her as a human being, but as a performer, I think Jack Perry doesn't want any of that stink anywhere near him because he's got a chance, right? So maybe just keep that back there with the rest of the fucking, you know, Marks and the JS. So uh, that's probably that. The reason why he's not dressed to the nines this week is because he's mocking Hook and the way Hook dresses. So that's why. You know, those I'm sure those leather pants he wore last week cost more than Frank's pickle barrel asses, you know, his his whole life. Um, but uh yeah, as far I, I, never, as, I never remember Flair coming out dressing like a commoner just to try to get under the skin of Dusty or anything like that. You know, it's always gotta be on that other level. I understand where they were coming from. Well, he ain't no Rick Flair. He ain't no Rick Flair. So he ain't even David Flair. <laughs> He's not even David Flair. Um, but uh, although he did end up buried in a desert, so they do have that in common at least. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. This is the thing that I didn't like. What was that weird little thing where they show like Hook in the subway with the title and then the subway goes by and then he doesn't have the title. So what what am I supposed to believe that Hook cooperated in like some sort of cinematic shoot for Jack Perry to show him losing the titles? Like clearly he's friends with Darby Allen. That's what's going on here. That's what it is. I knew it. Very artistic. You know, that's how I was that was say, it was one of those there. dark side of the ring things where it was an actor portraying him. Yeah. So he wasn't the actual hook. The reenactment of Hook, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, with the I'm actors with the... on strike, they're they're slumming it all the way down to the AEW level at this point. Beautiful. 
Yes. Uh, so let's roll through here. We get Britt Baker backstage with an interview. She's just kind of hyping up her match tonight um, against uh, Valkyrie. Uh, we do have back in the ring. Let's get to the next match here real quick. We got the bastard pack. He is taking on gravity. The, the one time that the man we knew that was uh, the individual who defied gravity, formerly known as Neville, Mr. Pack, taking on gravity here. That, I, I'll the let you jump in on this forgot. one. Yes. The man that, that gravity it, yeah. forgot. What a name. And how far we have fallen. You see what I did there with the gravity <laughs> thing? So, uh, yeah, um, you can't convince me that this match was booked for any other reason than Pac has a battle with gravity, right? Like, that's the only reason that this even happened. It's lucky there was a wrestler named Gravity. Uh, but he's cool. He comes out with the fucking astronaut suit with a little Mexican flag on it. Is, he is got a great a, space is, program down is, there. And is he Van, is he Bandito's little brother? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. This yes, guy. yes. That's is literally he? the only thing that anybody knows about Gravity is that he's Bandito's little brother. How much do we know about Bandito? Nothing. But we know that he has a little brother. Mm-hmm. That's right. So uh yeah i love it uh it's great he's got the he's got this he's he's got the gear he's got the mask that looks like an astronaut helmet kind of so uh he's over with me i didn't really pay that close attention to the match because i saw how long it was and i was like uh so you know i can't really comment too much on the work but hey he came out and, and did and did the, the slow moonwalk so he's over with me book him like it uh, the, the finish of this match kind of brutal. He hit him with the uh, what they dubbed it the avalanche brain buster off the top. Man, it looked like a, a bad fall there for gravity. Uh, then Pack gets him to, to tap out there. Pack picking up the win. We go backstage. A lot of backstage stuff going on on this episode, but we have got the winners of the blind eliminator tag team tournament. Of course, the AEW All Elite Wrestling World Champion MJF and Adam Cole. They are getting geared up. They're going to get a shot this Saturday against FTR for the tag team championships. Uh, MJF going right in and talking, taking the shots at the um, at the champs about their looks, about their style. You know, uh, always talk about their kids and their wives. All of this, this I enjoyed that part of it. And then it just they just cheesied it. They, they handed up way too much here with. Man, you know, we really are friends. And I genuinely mean it. I, mean, I don't know. It, it, ham and cheese, RBV? Yeah, baby, yeah. That's how, that's how bad it was. Cheesy and hammy, baby. Chunks of it. Mm. Your, your thoughts on the interaction in the, I guess, the ass-kissing or the, uh, I don't know, playing with each other's balls there, tickling each other's balls there between MJF and Adam Cole. But, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. But it's it's fine. I mean, normally I'll I'll watch anything MJF does, but you know I I I'll be happy when this is over. It's it's not even the first time they've done something like this. It's not even the first time they did something like this with MJF. It's it's just I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the repetition, even beyond the ham and cheese. Um, and I I would like uh, what I would like to see. The only logical outcome for this whole thing. Not that it's any logic, but the, what I'd what I'd like to see the most out of it is that they both try to double cross each other 
catch each other double crossing each other because we know somebody's turning right but it's better it, it you can't have either one of them legit you can't have adam cole legitimately believe that mjf was his friend and vice versa you you can't have mjf believe that adam cole genuinely liked him as a friend either so they gotta both try to turn on each other at the same time catch each other be like ah you motherfucker and then whatever happens happens and then they have their title match like they were gonna have but um if they if they try to get me to buy like a, a one-way turn from either of these guys it's gonna fall flat i'll say if one of them actually is buying this and they just go with one turning on the other i mean that's that's gonna look whoever is on the short end of the stick like the the biggest moron inside this business yep yep like if either of you've been watching each other's you know the pro wrestling for the last five years, you know, following each other at all, even if it was Colin NXT or anything MJF has been involved of involved in. Uh, yeah. It just would be terrible. I, I love the idea that they're, they both try to screw each other over and they both get caught at the same time there. Jargo, what about uh, Roddy's involvement in this? I think Jargo might be answering somebody. Uh, I think, I think in Roddy the is uh, off screen telling him what he's going to, he's probably stooging off the creative plans. No, it, it seems that there there's currently some weird stuff going on with the Will Osprey on Instagram. Uh, the wife was showing me. Um, so as, as far as this MJF Adam Cole thing, I've been against it since the very beginning because I said one of two things is going to happen: either you're going to turn Adam Cole heel, or you're going to turn MJF babyface. Worst case scenario, you're going to do both of those things, and I, I think we've kind of seen how this is playing out. Um, I do think somebody's going to turn. And I think it's going to be Roderick Strong. I think Roderick Strong is going to betray Adam Cole, and he's going to end up hooking up with MJF. It seems to me like that's that's the direction that everything is going here. Um, the thing that I really dislike about it, as our, our good friend Al Snow told us once upon a time, never make the babyface look stupid. And that's exactly what they're doing. The Adam Cole is going to look like an absolute moron coming out of this thing, not seeing what's coming. Uh, the one thing I didn't understand was MJF saying, I'm going to give you a rematch for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Why on earth would he volunteer that information? On, on, on no level does that make any kind of logical sense to me why the dirty chicken shit champion would just be like, you know what? I like you, bro. I'm going to give you a championship shot to a guy that he is pretty sure can beat him. Like, none of it makes any kind of sense to me. The only thing that makes any sense is Roddy is going to turn on Adam Cole and then we end up with Adam Cole versus Roderick Strong in like the fourth different company doing the same story that we've seen four different times does nothing for me and and that doesn't make sense either oh I love you bro I love you too man I'm gonna turn on you no just that friends well, no, don't really it, actually it do seems, that it seems more to me like Oh, you want to be friends with Max? You're just going to desert me while, you know, I'm over here taking care of this stuff and, and you're off dicking around with Max, this guy that I told you from the very beginning that you couldn't trust. It just seems to me like it's set up for Roddy to become Max's new stooge. That's why, that's why I say the only way out that you can preserve all three of these guys' integrity is to have them both try and fail like oh i thought i was gonna catch you i was fooling you the whole time and that way everybody stays where they're at and then you can just have your championship rematch it's the only way that they don't look stupid is if they remain in place so we'll see if they do it but um you know i don't have high hopes on it jargon what do you think about the um 
the FTR, their their reply there. Am I, is that the same one that they that they showed on last week's collision? I've seen over the chat. They're saying it's pretty much the same promo. I, I didn't get to see it's, that one. It's not the same promo. It's just exactly the same words that they used on the collision promo. It's like the same exact promo that FTR cuts, regardless of who they're facing and what's going on. Like, I love me some FTR inside of the ring, but the promos and the creative programs have all become very much just the same recycled bullshit over and over and over and over. And they're better as heels anyway. Hey, Jargo, did you catch that? How did, did you catch how when Dax was cutting his promo, he was talking from both like a standpoint of the future and as if he had already heard the other promo, like he kept changing tenses. Like you're probably going to say, you're probably going to make fun of my accent, but then he, but then he'll say something like, yeah, I do love my family. Like he's responding directly. So he can't make up his mind, whether his promo is taking place in the past or in the, in the present. So it's like that tip that tipped his hand in case anybody was paying close attention to that too, exposed him. I see. I, I did like that at the end. You know, he's like, and if you and if you mentioned my daughter or my wife, I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat. That popped me there yeah. at the end because he, you know, he's called out. So that either speaks to he knew the same old stick that MJF is going to go ahead with, or he knows that he repeats himself and everybody can call his promos. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. It looked like he got exposed though because he kept mixing up his tenses. So you know, but whatever. That's that's what you get. From a Dax promo. Dax Daxson. Back back in the ring, we get uh, Darby Allen. He's being accompanied ringside by Nick Wayne, and he is taking on from the embassy, Swerve Strickland, who's got uh, Prince Nana out there with him. Uh, dominant match here. Usually what we get out of the Darby matches is the true underdog who's going to have to kind of fight back from this one. Swerve really taking it to him. I think the, the, the post-match is really where we get the payoff where we get the once again the emergence of AR for the reemergence of AR Fox and we get the full turn here as it appears that he has joined the embassy after attacking Darby and Wayne. You know, a lot of people are talking about that the promo abilities of AR Fox, just the body language here, man. He he there was a lot of character and you could really feel something from him just in this post match angle. Jargo. They're going to stick him with the embassy, which means I won't see it because I don't watch Ring of Honor. Like They can't expect me to care about what's going on in Ring of Honor when Ring of Honor is a C-show that's behind a paywall. I'm just, I'm not watching that crap. So best of luck to AR Fox over on you know, your, your little Ring of Honor promotion. That's pretty much where I'm at. Like The whole embassy thing, like who cares? Who, Rick, pop quiz, who all is in the embassy? Uh, the embassy, we have got the uh, the foreign monsters. I can't remember their names. We got Brian Cage. Uh, is Big Bob or Big Bill, whatever the hell his name is now, is he in there? Because I see him and Cage are going to be in this tag team battle royal coming up this Friday. Uh, then we've got Nana, right? Now, now we've got AR Fox, and apparently Swerve is now a part, part of that. That is so any, at least, like, any at least for, half the faction you can't even name. I mean that that tells you how great it is. I can visualize them. I just don't know all their names. <laughs> uh, so yes, and I'm putting putting the puzzle together on them. You're, you're right, but that is there any excitement maybe behind Swerve and AR becoming a tag team that could actually get a shine and opportunity uh, on Collision or Dynamite? Um, I don't know. You know, no, 
Or, or oh, are no. we are we going to forget that this even happened in two weeks? Do you guys? Let me ask a question to each of you. It's a yes or no answer. Okay, so you don't have to take a long time. It's either yes or it's no. RBV, you first. Is there money on Swerve Strickland? Yes. Jargo. Yes. Okay. I kind of agree. So can we ever just stop burying him amongst a bunch of nobodies who have no money written on them? It happens no. in it, yeah, no, you cannot. He must be buried. You 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 you're gonna put him with Hit Row, you're gonna put him with the Mogul Embassy, you're gonna put him or it, it was just the Mogul affiliates when it was just him, and he's got randos with him, bodyguards, both of which are not there now. So then he's got to go over to the embassy with Nana and just get lost in that shuffle and seem less important than he could be. Um, I see him as a singles that can do something and can be interesting. Uh, how far he can go is yet to be determined, but I feel like he can run with the ball as far as they'll let him, as well as anybody else in modern wrestling. You know, like, as far as I'm concerned, why not swerve is, is my point. But if you keep drowning him with, if you, if you keep putting all these albatrosses around his neck, then we're never even going to get that. So, no, I'm not interested in seeing him with AR Fox. I'm not interested in seeing him with anybody. I just want Swerve Strickland to be his own man on an island, and then we'll see what he can do. If we're going to team up Swerve with anybody, at least put him with people that make him feel more important, right? Like putting Swerve in the embassy actually devalues Swerve, right? I, I, I very much feel the same way Vet does. If you want to do something with Swerve with like some kind of a group of people, just put him with Scorpio Sky. Because, I mean, at least then you have two guys that have a very, very similar story that have a very similar presentation that I think could play off of each other well. But just sticking him with a bunch of random people, no, it's not going to work. And it devalues the talent that you do have. I think their, their biggest missed opportunities with Swerve is the crossover. You know, we're talking about growing the bubble, growing your audience. I mean, he, he could reach you a, an entirely new fan base. Uh, a completely new demographic and just cross over to different genres for you. But apparently, he's got an album either either out or coming out, and I don't know what it's called or if it's out or where to get it. I'm sure I could find it if I really look. But that's my point. Like they should be telling me that. I shouldn't it's have called, to ask that. It's called Fight Forever Two, and it'll be out in five years. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've got a ladies' match coming up here. Britt Baker, uh, Ty Valkyrie, going at it, hooking up inside the ring here. I think one of the, the headlines of news that really jumped out to me during this match here, uh, chance or signs, you know, requesting book the women's division better here. But I'll let you uh, talk about this match and the division itself. Would, would, you, would you say that these are two of the top names inside of this division? Mm, yeah, pretty much. I mean, Bird Baker's been there since day one. Ty Valkyrie's got a name. So you got, you know, you got that going for you. Uh, this match did not feel special. It just felt like it was out of nowhere. You're, again, you're carrying over the booking of this match from your other shows. So in case you're one of those people that only watches Dynamite, you're not really sure exactly how it came about or, or whatever. Um, but uh, that's fine. It'd be a pleasant surprise if you didn't know it was coming, I guess, until the bell rang. 
and then you actually watched it and then the pleasant uh the pleasantries were over we'll dispense with the pleasantries um not good uh and uh yeah so i mean as far as the women's division getting booked better well shit if it was that easy then we wouldn't be having any of the conversations we're having so but i'll tell you what there's a lot of women on this show i didn't see just like a lot of other talent i didn't see you got your women's champion nowhere to be found right unless i missed her did i blink and miss tony storm no, no? Uh, none, none of the outcast kind of kind of feel like they should at least make an appearance you know at least at least just just show their face um so there's a lot of that i mean you have to have you have to first identify who you think are your stars you know you guys were talking about stars right earlier in the show before i hopped on you have to identify who those guys are going to be for you who they believe they are then you have to make sure that those people are presented as stars to everybody watching and then everybody else that is on the undercard has the opportunity to impress you but they're going to be working with those stars so the point is you got to feature those people that you want to make that money with um you clearly thought enough of tony storm to put the belt on her but not enough for her to not miss a dynamite so i don't like it book the women's division better i think even to notice too that uh with uh, Jay Cargill now taking some time away from the ring, or as she said on Twitter, uh, it feels so good to step outside the bubble. Uh, I don't know what the hell that meant, like, but she's only been catered to, and she's only been in the business what for? Uh... Jay, let me just let me just let me just address that real quick, okay? I just want everybody to understand. Jade Cargill, when she says stuff like that on Twitter, is working, okay? She knows what she's doing. She's trying to get a rise out of people like you or any of the fans who talk shit about her and and make her think that she's some she's trying to be a heel why they didn't treat her as much like a heel as they could have is anybody's guess but I, I, she's I know all those trying to do that it bring right. their daughters to work and you know kiss them at ringside and, and they have the elaborate yeah well they should they should have put the kibosh on that but i'm just saying she she probably thought bringing her kid would get her heat i don't know for from all the guys that wanted to bang her i don't know i don't know i don't know what she was thinking but i know when she's tweeting stuff like that she's working she's smart enough to know that but jargo what about the women's division man what, what do you think you can book the women's division better if you want to that's not going to change the quality of this match um i i, I mean i like Britt baker and i like taya valkyrie I like Hulk Hogan and I like Ric Flair. Guess what? Hogan and Flair didn't have chemistry in the ring together either. Um, this match was an absolute train wreck. Um, I, I think these are two of the better women inside of the company. I would, would keep them as far apart you as like possible. After years of bashing him? No, absolutely not. I'm just saying just because he's a star, you take two big stars and you put them in the ring together, that doesn't mean that it's going to be good. Um, and that's kind of what I feel like we ran into here last night. I think these are two of the bigger stars inside of the AEW women's division. It doesn't matter what the creative program is. It doesn't matter if you book them to go five minutes or if you book them to go 20 minutes. It's not going to make the match any better. They just have no chemistry together. These two women just do not work well together. I mean, at one point last night, Taya dropped Britt on her face. 
I just dropped her on her face. It was just, the whole match just looked God awful. Um, so I would keep them as far apart as possible. It seemed to me that we are poising ourselves for a Jade Cardgill return because if you noticed last night, Britt called it the Brit show. Brit show no, of- it's that bitch show, right? Like that's we know what the TBS stands for. So hopefully that means Jade's coming back fairly soon because god i miss her on my tv um i i think there's a lot of talent inside of the aew women's division that wants to be booked better they just need to wrestle better so that they do get booked better because at this point the aew women's division I don't even want to see it on my TV because every time I do, it's a 10 minute train wreck like Taya Valkyrie versus Britt Baker last night. And and that's not anything against either one of them as talents. Just the two of them together did not work, did not work at all. Just like Hogan and Flair didn't work. Uh, shout out here to, uh, to my boy, one of our uh, local minds, locker room leaders around the, uh, the Cincy area. Uh, Mr. Kurt, the, that new one legged band, unfortunately, uh, Hey, there's leg cutoffs. So we're hoping that he can get back up with his, uh, you know, with leg piece here shortly. But shout out. Thanks for joining us there, Kurt. Gentlemen, let's move on here. Main event time. We got a uh, three-way tag match. Of course, as the vet said, main event time. And you're advertising the best friends. You got Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. They're going to be taking on, representing the Blackpool Combat Club. You got Claudio and Moxley. And, of course, the third team here is the Lucha Brothers. I guess the match itself is is what you'd expect. I mean, they were going everywhere, and it was chaotic, hard hitting, um, big spots inside of the match. That were real surprised with the the outcome here. Lucha Brothers getting a win. Nah, but uh, I will say this: I work really hard for you guys. Talking about the audience, uh, I try to watch as much wrestling as I can so that I'm able to speak on a variety of subjects with you and and be up on all the current talent and everything like that. Um, so for the most part, I I try to catch everything. Um, but when I see the Chuck and Trent on my screen, if you think I'm watching one minute of this, you are out of your minds, and you don't I, I like know that me. better than the best friends. Just the Chuck, the Trent, the Chuck, the Trent. <laughs> I scrubbed to the finish. I didn't even actually watch the finish. I just saw Penta celebrating, and I was like, I guess they won, and that's good enough for me. And then I saw that there was some, you know, post-match animosity, and because of who was involved, I said, I continue to not care, and I clicked the X in the corner, and that was a wrap on Dynamite for me, guys. So anything else that has to be said about this match will have to be said by either of you. Yeah, you, you had on the finish there, obviously, we know who's going to be taking the fall in this thing, but Penta gets the, the win on uh, the Trent there, hitting with the, the fear factor for the pin. Jara, your thoughts on this thing? I, I know you were you were kind of hot last night as we were going back and forth to the text watching this thing, and you're asking, you know, like, this is what you give us for a beta event. Tonight's main event is John Moxley and five guys who never lived up to their potential, so John Moxley can't take a vacation. That's pretty much what we had going on inside of this match. Do you remember, Vet? I bet you do. Do you remember if we go back in time, probably about seven years or so, New Japan Pro Wrestling was trying to pick, do we want to go with Kenny Omega or do we want to go with Trent Beretta? 
That was a real conversation. Do you remember when Chuck Taylor was the fastest rising name on the independent wrestling scene? Do you remember Lucha Underground when everybody was like, wow, this Phoenix kid, he could be the next Rey Mysterio. And this Pentagon Jr. guy, he's like, he could be La Parca, but cooler, right? Like, there was all this great potential. And instead, we got what we had last night. Oh, yeah, in Cesaro. Cesaro, that dude's going to be a world champion one day. Yeah, and ring of fucking honor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there was so much potential inside of this match. Unfortunately, it's 2023, and the only guy that ever got himself over to any extent was John Moxley. I mean, this is what's wrong with the wrestling business. All these other guys, all five of these other guys, we thought were going to be main eventers for the next 10 to 15 years to come. And instead, we got this last night. And I, I, I feel like that is just indicative of the entire problem inside of the professional wrestling business in 2023. I can only disagree with you on the fact that I never thought any of these guys would be shit except for Pentagon. He's the only guy that I thought, wow, I could do something with Pentagon. Everyone else was a lost cause to me, even Moxley. Now, he's done very well for himself despite an extremely limited skill set. So he's overachieved beyond everyone's wildest dreams, and good for him. But uh, like I said earlier, he's dead to me, so whatever. Um, But yeah, but but everything else you said, yes, it's crazy how this is is what's happened with these guys. Um, Is there any rehabbing any of these guys? Like, is, is there anything that we could do at this point with it? Because I feel like there's been so much damage done to all of them that I don't even know what you do with these guys to try to make them relevant again inside of the AEW narrative. Well, I will quote our mutual favorite wrestler of all time, Yoshihashi, and just say, everything can change in an instant. <laughs> Okay, no, that's I'll a joke for two people. Some old episodes of Destino in order to get <laughs> yeah. into Yoshi Bon Jovi. <laughs> Yoshi Bon Jovi, but but yeah, but no, uh, you know that was talking about um, you know him falling on his face and making a T-shirt out of it. But in reality, the phrase itself is not wrong. You can grab any one of these guys and rehab them instantly if you knew how. Nobody knows how, so the answer to your question is no. But if you did know how then yes it's possible you know everybody's just that one that one conversational promo backstage away from somebody just grabbing them by the collar and being like what's wrong with you man you know and and that that being the impetus for them to to sort of get on a different path so you could do that The, the pentagon looked like a star in lucha underground Unfortunately, I guess he loves his brother and tag team with his brother very much. And they have both suffered because of that. Because they're just another couple of guys in a tag team in a in a company full of tag teams that people already don't care about and that which the division is not being managed correctly and never has. So, you know, that was that was the Lucha brothers were doom. From the beginning, and not the good one with Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. I'm just talking about like the actual definition of the word doom. So, 
yeah, there went their star power. Trent and Chuck, never never going to happen, brother. And uh, it was Moxley and Claudio. Like, Claudio ate a ring post. He's a mark. Sorry. Well, you know, I was asking you guys earlier about it. Do you get excited when they give you the announcement, you know, the full cards? We go off the air here in anticipation for next week's landmark 200th episode of Dynamite. Tony Khan shares an announcement or, you know, through the commentary team, uh, but it's going to be official. John Moxley versus Penta versus the Trent in an anything goes match. No, <laughs> no. So that's how they, that's I feel how they bad for Trent. I feel bad for Trent because I've seen Penta in those kind of matches and I've seen Moxley in those kind of matches and I know what they're going to do to each other inside of that match. How does Trent get himself stuck in there? Like, poor Trent. Is Trent going to do his acai moonsault to the outside and land on something dangerous? I mean, I think Trent's mom should just not bring him to the show next week. I, I was going to say, just lock himself in the minivan yeah. for the, for the Gra- entire Ground his ass. Match. Ground his ass, man. Ground his ass. Or just use the minivan as, as a weapon. It just, to, think, to think Trent Beretta was almost the leader of the Bullet Club. My, my, how history would have been different. Yeah, as we do get the announcement, they, they do go, they fade to black with the, with the brawl going on. Uh, but yeah, gentlemen, coming up, hey, we're, we're a month away, August 27th, from the Wembley Show. Next week, the 200th episode. And as you talked about earlier, that, I mean, all that they have overcome, uh, and they are here at, at these big, you know, milestones. What's for the, the hook? What's the hook for next week? The 200th episode. What is the big hook? What is your big main event for next week? The Trent. We'll tell you next Tuesday. <laughs> A-E-Dub. The Trent, baby. The Trent. The Trent. Well, John, let's go ahead. Let's let's get out of here. Uh, I got to get my ass to work. I got a little celebrate. A little hashtag RBV eats out. Today is National Chili Dog Day. And it's Ooh. right here in Cincinnati, baby. That's, you know, that's one of our big foodie holidays. I'm gonna give me some of that Cincinnati chili with the you know the cheese, the onion, the mustard on there to celebrate the day. Uh, what, what kind of dogs do they do out there in California, Fed? Uh, you know, any kind. I don't think we have a signature dog. We just eat anybody's dogs. Chili dog, regular dog, um, just a bunch of dog, dog gobblers out there. State, state California State Fair corn dogs. You probably can't get better in the U.S. Um, I mean, I feel like there's a terrible Asian San Francisco joke here that I could throw in, but uh, I, I will refrain. Yes, refrain, please. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, you know, got a little of everything. Yes, sir. Uh, vet. Yes. How about your uh, do what you do when you get out of these things here, man? Oh yeah, add opinion haver on all your favorite social media platforms, gaming platforms, uh, rotating platforms. Uh, you know, color forms, um, anything, anything with a form, you can find me at Opinion Haver. Check out every show on HMG. Check out every show on the PWC. Check out everything, and you'll probably run into me whether you want to or not. Some people probably groaned when I showed up here, so that's fine. But I had, I couldn't miss a show with my with my man Jargo and my homie RBV. So I was gonna sit in with you guys and hang out, even if I didn't watch Dynamite. I was gonna be here. Uh, so um yeah so do that and then also check out wrestling with rib rogers every friday with a live q a uh except when they're not there 
Um, last week they had Matt Stryker on, so that was cool. He popped in and they had a good interview there. It's all available on YouTube for free. So go check out that channel and subscribe to it if you haven't and, uh, check out everything Stevie Richards is doing. Stevie Richards fitness is off the hook. Uh, Stevie Richards wrestling analysis already over 7,000 subscribers in just a short time. Like just goes to show you, man, you want people want to see wrestlers talk wrestling sorry that's just the way it is and his channel boom and what he's doing is so unique in the space and everybody's gravitating to it he just put up content on his patreon where he looked at a match between um god i already forgot who it was it was some oh dutch mantel and uh ah, i'm gonna kick myself i can't remember but that's on patreon. one way to find out one way to find that's out that's right go go to patreon and check it out and then the youtube channel is totally different he's got stuff he's he's just put you know why brad armstrong maybe the most underrated wrestler of all time and breaks down something with him and paul orndorff so that's on YouTube. Separate content on Patreon and YouTube. Check out Stevie Richards. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it for me. Damn, that's some, some good stuff. Now, I, I intentionally hate to go first, vet, so that Jogger just couldn't steal all your tags. Uh, where people I was going to say, that. you know that's my gimmick, right? <laughs> I, I when do, people I do. ask, how do you keep up with me? I tell people, don't keep up with me. I don't want to talk to you. Instead, go hang out with the vet at Opinion Haver. That's, that, that's what I do. Um, if you want to follow me... Either. <laughs> if you want to follow me on social media, it's at not Jargo, although I very rarely use social media anymore. Um, right. So, yeah, just keep up with at the real RBV and at Opinion Haver. And, of I course, the Hami Media. RBV Media now. Oh, RBV Ooh. Media now. Yes, oh. yes. Big shot. Um, yeah, getting fancy, getting fancy. Uh, but, yeah, I'd like to thank everybody out there. We, we miss Ben, you know, when he's unable to make these shows. But he's out there making big things happen. It was awesome sitting down with you gentlemen to, to talk a little wrestling this week's Dynamite and a little business of the business. Thanks, everybody, to join us in, in the chat. All the awesome con, uh, comments, conversation that we had back and forth here. Uh, I'm sure Ben will be back. Uh, probably recorded one this morning for the for the Friday locker room. As Vet said, you know, make sure that you're, you're checking out all the content from the Hameen Media Group. It's National Chili Dog Day. Go out and get yourself something good to eat. And uh, stay cool. Stay hydrated in this heat here. Uh, but that's going to do it this week. Light the fuse. We'll go ahead and sign this son of a bitch off. <laughs> <laughs>